from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com, it's the Relevant Podcast. Oh, but the night outside is far below, his heart is pumping blood. On his lips a perfect smile, his eyes begin to flood. Cause tonight's the kind of night where everything could change. Tonight's the kind of night where everything could change. And the rumble strip clap and the rattling frame be out of pole sun his head. It's the week of Friday, March 11, 2011. Right before your birthday. And this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Josh Lujan Loveless. Hey, people. The even lovelier mm. Maya Strang. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, our illustrious producer in the other room, Chad Michael Snavely. Quite lovely myself. Thank you. <laughs> I like, he's like, you have your moments. <laughs> he's raising the roof over there at his, at his uh, desk. Um, on the Skype line from the lovely Virginia, <laughs> Jesse Carey. I have a good personality. <laughs> you have a personality for radio. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we have a great podcast lined up for you today. We have an interview uh, coming up later with Dave Kinneman, who's the co-author of the very popular book, Unchristian, and the president of the Barna Research Group. He's a fascinating guy. He's a young guy, younger than you'd think, and uh, has a lot of interesting insight. We also spotlight one of the artists that we featured in the new issue of Relevant. Uh, it's coming up later, Liz James. So stay tuned for that. And in our feedback segment, once again, we call one of you, our lovely listeners, this time all the way from England. Mm. So, Ooh, wow. Stay tuned. But up first, your entertainment releases, music coming out on Tuesday, March 8th, the highly anticipated Lady Gaga album mm. called Born This Way. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that's referencing, Cameron? Transgender issues. Oh. <laughs> she looks like a drag queen. So she's saying I was born this way. I don't think so. Okay. But but she does profess, in her words, to love the gays. The gays <laughs> of men who look at her longingly? Yeah. yeah. See, I, I think it was G-A-Z-E. Yeah. I think that's what she yeah. was saying. She yeah. didn't spell it when she said it. So right. Yeah, she, never but, but we can only presume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also coming out, The Naked and Famous. Uh, the, the song is Passive Me, Aggressive You. Naked and Passive Famous. Me. I love that album. It's amazing. Really happy with it. And, 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 you know, we talked about them on the podcast a few weeks ago. Just should we even play their music? Because right. they're naked while they're singing it. And that conjures up images. Of, right. G- of Genesis. Hello. <laughs> also How famous out- are Adam and Eve? Come on. Sure. Yeah, it could be about them. I think it is. Also in the biblical themes, uh, Noah and the whale uh, coming out with Last Night on Earth. Which is Revelations. Yeah, it's right before the. Right before the it's kind of a mix of, of biblical narrative, to be honest with you. Matt Words has come out with Weights and Wings. Uh, the Dodos, No Color. The Joy Formidable with The Big Roar. And Jay Mascus uh, from Dinosaur Jr. Uh, with Several Shades of Why. No early 90s groups or singers putting anything All, out this Although week. This, summer, <laughs> this summer, Chad, I'm sure you know, Rage Against the Machine is coming out with a new album. Can't wait. Oh, wow. It's the original lineup too. It's not some lesser than. I can't wait to be angry again. <laughs> I, I, told, I told Chaz. I said the music. There is a there is an angry and funky 
rage-shaped hole in the music industry. We need more angry and funky music. There we go. There you go. It's well, what out. are they raging against now? Because I feel like politically, Thanks. it's you know, it's exact opposite as you know what I mean. Like, what is there left to rage against? The real estate Mich- market, tea parties, Wise. yeah, home values. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot out there. <laughs> Unemployment rate. Yeah, there's a lot of very serious issues happening. Yeah, Jesse. Way to read the newspaper. Well, no, I'm saying they're serious <laughs> issues, but I mean, I, I, uh, from what I understand, they, they're they're relatively, you know, liberal in their politics, and we have a a, a Democratic president. I'm just wondering, you know, who are they raging against? The machine. The machine is not necessarily just the president. The machine, the banking institution, the corrupt Wall Street brokers who put us in this situation maybe they're raging against that machine the economic machine or maybe well, there's pop- a there's an maybe actual, it's a literal machine i know that's what i'm saying maybe there's an actual machine out there that we are supposed to i, I know, know discover have you ever been to chevy's the the tex-mex restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. oh they, yeah they have a big <laughs> tortilla maker called el machino and it, literally they, <laughs> yeah. they make other tortillas maybe they are just really angry at that specific machine and they're raging against Tex-Mex. Well, okay. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you because if you've ever been to Chevy's, that is not a machine you would ever want to rage against. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, maybe that that's a machine that's that the solution. That is one of our greatest machines ever. So maybe they're wanting to rage against the current machine so they can replace it with El Machino. Rage and against g- the El Machino. No, no, no. Machino. They're they're raging against the the machine, and they want El Machino to replace the machine. Mm. And so we can Remember all have the lovely machine tortillas. is cranking out Taco Bell. They want it replaced with El Machino. Yeah, <laughs> have some lovely tortillas. Don't you think it's weird? Totally random. Talking about Taco Bell, that they had all this meat, you know, brouhaha of it's not being real or whatever, and now they're putting out shrimp tacos. Who wants <laughs> a shrimp taco from Taco Bell? No, have you seen their ad campaigns about the meat though? Ooh. They're all like. I've worked at Taco Bell for 20 years and I stand by our product. I We use meat. And then they're like, boom, big stamp, 100% USDA grade beef. I mean, like, they're like 100% real meat. It's it's not even close to meat. I'm a vegetarian and I don't feel bad eating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the, the thing is, like, who's surprised? I mean, it's like, wait a minute. This taco that I paid seven sixty nine cent for isn't grade A USDA uh tenderloin right out of here you know so so really the point the point of the taco bell rant raging against the machine has a new album coming out <laughs> so, or in the summer not this week <laughs> and it's called el machino <laughs> <laughs> from what i understand okay movies coming out on friday march 11th we have paul starring people not named paul hmm. uh just seth rogan is in it and jason bateman paul interesting i've never even heard of it it's about the alien. The alien named Paul? <laughs> yeah, well, Seth Rogen voices. It's, uh, oh, it's, it's the guys from like Shaun of the Dead and, uh, you know, that, that cop movie. And mm-hmm. Seth Rogen is the voice of a little alien. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Uh, also coming out. He's taking lim- on Wally. <laughs> Limitless with Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. Mm. So this is either a huge step up for Bradley Cooper or a huge step down for Robert De Niro. Yeah. I, I can't tell yet. <laughs> or maybe a little of both. <laughs> right. What was the last great Robert De Niro movie? Meet the Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. No, wait. Little Fockers. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Again, I know he's well-respected, but how long can you maintain respect for something you did 25, 30 years ago? Forever? Wasn't he in that one with Leonardo DiCaprio a few years ago where Leonardo DiCaprio got shot in the elevator at the very end? It was awesome. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I think he was in it. The yes. Departed? Yes. I, I there. Departed. That was a good movie. Yeah. But was De Niro in that? I think he so. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He's obviously had a lot of great performances, but he's now in so many 
like poor movies. Yeah. It's like if you're known for being an awesome husband in the 80s, uh, and then you have a string of failed marriages after your first wife dies. <laughs> you can't still talk about how awesome you were back in the 80s. Eventually, people are going to start judging you for what you're doing right now. And I think he makes bad movie decisions. I'm going to say it. Maybe. Well, they didn't pay as much back in the day when he was making those movies. Right. Maybe he's needing to cash in and, you know. Yep. I don't know. It's true. Or he just really wants to do a lot of really bad comedies right now. Yeah. I mean, he just seems like he does a lot of movies, does a mm-hmm. lot of bad movies. He's getting paid, but... It's strange because he's so well respected. Yeah, and uh, at some point we got to go back and go. Eh, he's not that great. Well, it's like Shaq. It's like he should have just retired after L.A. <laughs> no, instead of oh, yeah. pop- I, I was going to say popping around. De Niro- if De Niro stars in Kazam two, then. <laughs> The Shaq comparison works. Well, I I think De Niro's current chapter is like when Michael Jordan came to play for the Wizards. Mm. That's true. I mean, he was still Michael Jordan, but he was on the Wizards. So you're also saying that De Niro has a crippling gambling problem? Mm -hmm. I think that's likely, yes. (laughs) And he's having to work so much to pay off all his gambling debts. Yeah. And it's all starting to add up. Interesting. All right. Well, on that note, (laughs) that'll... The, oh, oh, I'm sorry. We movies? have one more. The Lincoln Lawyer starring Matthew McConaughey, shirtless with Marissa Tomei. With a shirt. <laughs> Who's wearing a shirt? Ryan Felipe, also oh, shirtless. Right. William H. Macy, half shirtless. It's more of a halt <laughs> A tube top, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So there's your movie releases. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, Slices. This podcast is brought to you by Act One. Based in Hollywood, Act One is the premier training program for Christians wanting to work in the mainstream entertainment industry. You can learn more about Act One's flagship summer programs in screenwriting and producing, which begin in June. Application deadlines are fast approaching. Check it out, actoneprogram.com. You're listening to Ra Ra Riot. The song is too dramatic for my taste. <laughs> yes. okay. um, it's playing right now on Relevant FM. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Noah and the whale. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you heard Noah and the whale singing a duet. Give me off this boat. Yeah, singing a duet. <laughs> Tonight's the kind of night. It was a love song that they were singing to each other. Yeah. Tonight's the kind of night. Um, playing right now also on Relevant FM. No sign of Jonah. No, no Jonah. I think they just screwed it up. I think honestly, they they had heard (laughs) a few stories, they mixed them together, and then later on, I think someone told them, you know, that's the wrong Oa. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh well. Oh well. Like, oh well. (laughs) All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, this this is a little bit of a of a not atypical slice for me. Um, this is not a news story, but it's about a TV show that I saw, and I want to encourage everyone to check their local listings because, unfortunately, I only saw like the last twenty minutes. Um, but I have seen that that segments of it are online. It was on Nat Geo. Did you the- only see the last twenty minutes because you didn't check your local listings? That is true. Yeah. I. I- 
you know, doing the channel surfing, but it taught me a, a valuable lesson and to plan my TV watching ahead of time. So I do not miss another episode of My Child is a Monkey. No, that's not true. No, it is true. It's it's, it was on Nat Geo, and I think it's just like a documentary. I don't think it's a series. Mm. Um, but it is about people who raise. This is what they call them, monk kids. Oh, they call them monk kids, and it is about people who raise monkeys as if they are children. Wow, wow. And the the part of the show that. I, Part of the show that I saw talks about the inevitable moment when your monkey becomes very strong and turns on you. <laughs> and they showed aftermath of monkey children, monkey kids attacks. Um, they, the people that raise these monkeys, they, I mean, they're they're in partly sad, partly fascinating, partly all because wow. their whole life revolves around having monkey kids. It's everything you want in a reality TV show, right? Someone that's obsessive about something that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and monkey violence. Monkey potential at any moment for someone to be attacked by a very strong, angry monkey in a diaper. Right? Are they in yeah, diapers? They're all. They all wear diapers, and they all they, they raise them as children, so they wear clothes. Oh, wow! Man, man. And, and there was even a at one point a lady said that she wants to have. Uh, because shockingly, there are starting to be laws against uh, having a dangerous wild monkey domesticated in your house and running around your neighborhood. So one lady's proposal is that they start a monkey island oh. where if you have a desire to raise monkey instead of children, you can just move there and everyone knows the risk. They should listen to our podcast for some ideas. <laughs> yeah, I know. The moat has to be a certain <laughs> certain size. <laughs> you, yeah, we've little did they know that we've explored this topic in depth right. and know all the, the, the challenges of building a monkey island. For new listeners, a couple of years ago, there was a, an orangutan infestation here in Florida, mm-hmm. and, and we discussed the need for a protective monkey island so we can round them all up and with a large moat that right. they couldn't escape from. Well, because there was an escape. Right, of, right. Uh, there was a monkey. There was a. It was a shelter for former Hollywood monkeys, <laughs> and uh, they put them all on this little island that was surrounded by a moat. Uh, but the monkeys easily escaped right. on the first night. Right. Wow. But, uh, but I encourage kids. everyone to watch. Uh, My child is a monkey. It. It was. It, you know. It, it really ruined my any aspiration ever have about being a documentary filmmaker because the ultimate documentary has been made at this point. Right. Okay. What do you have, Maya? All right. So growing up, we didn't go out to eat much. Uh, a big deal was going to Burger King. That's right. And her mother... Is that the slice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. And her, her mother, because it was such a big deal when they go to Burger King, would return her food if her fries were not warm enough. Awesome. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that like that's my memory of going. It was like wow. it was sh- it still makes me shudder that she would take back fries and a hamburger because it wasn't hot enough, and I would just be like, you know, embarrassed. You're a Burger King. I'm a Burger King. Let, yeah, let it slide. but yeah, but yeah. you know, for some reason, my <laughs> Th- mom. That was before mom. you could have it your way too. I think it might have been initiated by your mom. It might have been <laughs> yeah. honestly. the whole campaign. You have it Mrs. Baki's way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. So when I saw this slice, it just, it hit home for me. Um, a woman in Miami, Florida, they, uh, there was a lady that did not get her burger her way or her sandwich. She actually was in the morning. She was in the drive-thru 
And for some reason, she thought somebody spit in her sandwich, so she came inside. Because it was moist and not dry like usual? <laughs> yeah, maybe. And she <laughs> climbed over the counter no. and um, started th- grabbing the other the food on the on the, no. the thing and throwing it at the employees. Like a monkey would do. Yeah, right. it sounds like a monkey. Yeah. Right. Did she have a monkey kid with her? <laughs> <laughs> she um, Apparently, she had spent six for the sandwich. And so she came inside was totally upset. Like the manager threw her to the ground. Stop it. And um, she was throwing food and apparently she left. And like. In police custody. No, no. Like she left before the police got there. Someone called the police, obviously. She came back a few minutes later, climbed back over the counter, got a cup of scalding water and was chasing the cooks around the back of the store. Oh my goodness. It doesn't say. It doesn't say why she thought someone, you know, spit in her, her sandwich, but apparently she thought this. And. Um, be, by the time the police arrived um, and the store had been cleared out, like the employees had locked themselves in rooms. Like they were terrified when I of think, this lady. When I think about the fast food restaurant, what happens behind the counter, I just think about how greasy and slippery the floors are. <laughs> so imagining all these people chasing each other, being thrown to the it's ground. It's like a Benny Hill episode. I know. Yeah. I, just, I see them sliding around like they're on roller skates. It's, I, I'm, it's amazing. It's an amazing image. And there is a video. If you guys want to go online, you can see it. Of a surveillance a video? video? A video. Surveillance video of it happening? Does it have background music? <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the thing is, when I go to Burger King or any fast food uh, place, I always half presume there's spit in my food anyway. Because you cursed out the people when you ordered it. That's yeah, I mean, I, I order incredibly complicated things, most of which <laughs> aren't on the menu. And then I complain <laughs> when I don't get them. <laughs> I've been ordering shrimp tacos at Taco Bell for years. <laughs> <laughs> they finally put on the menu because of you. Yeah, you'd be surprised how, how long a few uh, scalding hot water will go in right. persuasion. They're like, someone keep kept ordering it for years in Tulsa and then in Orlando and now in Virginia. Let's just put it on the menu. Yeah. They're like people all over the country want this. Yes. All over the country. <laughs> just because he keeps moving. Yeah. The, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And when you're looking for grease at a fast food restaurant, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. on the right track. You'll find it. Uh, well, uh, speaking of, uh, of crazy situations. No, that's dumb. <laughs> speaking of humor. <laughs> Speaking of stories, I got one for you. Um, uh, so there's this couple. They're, they're uh, in their 80s. In 2002, the police department in New York uh, put this computer system uh, together and used a fictitious address uh, or used an address that they just put into the computer system just to test it to see if, you know, when they put that address up, you know, how the police respond to it. So they just did it as a test. 2002, it worked out fine. Well, apparently they did multiple tests within the computer system and uh, have not been able to figure out how to delete <laughs> the address that they initially set up in this computer system to test sending police Control officers to, um, to homes. So since 2002, uh, this couple has been raided 50 <laughs> times <laughs> they <need to> move <laughs> with oh. New York City Police Department knocking through their door, believing there's a murderer or a rapist, or some other you know person of interest oh on the other gosh. side of the door, and so for whatever reason, this address keeps popping up on in the computer system as an address that needs to be you I know put that a note on police. the door. Let me let me just <laughs> let me just break this down. Yep. Okay, so since O two fifty times, right, right? It's the same address. So fifty times over eight years is at least six times a year. So this right. is every other month. This yes. same thing happens. Yes. Maybe it's now, not I the would finest. think that a rapist slash murderer type call would right. not be an everyday call. Right. 
and it is the same precinct. Right. Because it's in the same... Right. So you would think that in this precinct, there's a couple dozen officers. Right. You yep. would think... You would think. That they would just go, oh, that's 1220 yeah. Brookhaven, so that's the fake rapist house. Hold on. This The situation gets weirder because even before the computer system was set up, uh, in ni- between 1994 and 1997, the previous homeowner who mm-hmm. owned the home was and sold it to the eight the, the couple in the, that's now in their 80s um, Aww, had the 80s? police visit his house between 1994 and 1997 30 times. Really? So. 80 times this has happened since 1994. To Tudor, the reason why this guy moved and completely moved out of town was because the police kept knocking down his door in the middle of the night. And the couple in their 80s, they're just like, they're just used to it. Yeah. They're just used to it. Well, this is a way of life. Wow. Well, the, well, the cops can't just stop coming because what if the one time that year old you know they find out he actually is a murderer yeah the 80 year olds are actually being held hostage they mm-hmm. call 911 yes. and the guy's are like oh no wait guys guys remember that's that address yeah. right. for the first yeah. time ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy could you imagine how boring of an episode of NYPD blue that would have been <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is three seasons of episodes right yeah. showing up to the Literally, same house dude. The NYPD Blue would have been a really cruddy show if it was based on reality, apparently. Or apparently break, based in this one precinct in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Look at that. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Liz James. through the night For every kiss Your beauty trumped my doubt And my You're listening to Mumford and Sons. The song is Winter Winds, which do not apply here in Florida. It's playing right now on Relevant TV and Relevant FM. If you got the new issue of Relevant, uh, you know that we did a drop spotlight on Liz Janes. Liz is a singer-songwriter on Sufjan Stevens' Asthmatic Kitty label. Uh, what's what's interesting is that she uh, came of age musically in Olympia, Washington, as a horn squinking member of the Northwest punk improv scene. Uh, she only sang for herself, really, but then uh, she recorded her own songs on lo-fi cassette tapes. So these secret like lullabies and gospel tunes remained unheard until her husband, without her knowing, played them for uh, Sufjan Stevens uh, one time. Several months later, a full-length album emerged, uh, produced and arranged by Sufjan uh, for his Asthmatic Kitty label. Her latest album is called Say Goodbye, and it was released uh, just last year. It moves away from brooding folk sounds, uh, like her debut had, uh, towards more of a soul pop sound. Uh, Ryan Hamm interviewed Liz for the magazine, and here is part of that interview. You've said that you wanted to make a soul record. Um, what does that mean to you? <laughs> what does that mean to me? It just meant that I wanted to um, 
write songs that just express the soul, soulful feeling. Um, I don't, it definitely would never fit into the genre of soul music. I just, um, just wanted to write songs from the soul, just that dealt with issues of the soul and the spirit and um, just life and just real issues and just the real things that we deal with in life. So songwriting is like, it's something I need to do to just sort of seek out just the living metaphor that's all around us and just make sense of everything that I see and to contextualize, you know, myself and everything that I see. It seems like, I mean, just the tone of the album, like, I mean, obviously there's dark stuff on there, but it seems like the tone of the album is pretty buoyant. And I mean, you yourself seem like a really joyful person. So how do you, how do you feel like you work through, like you said, I mean, all the really bad stuff that happens, it seems so senseless. I don't even work through it. Well, I write songs. (laughs) (laughs) Um... No, I do have joy, and I think that, you know, I wanted this, I didn't want to write a record that was going to make people feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted the songs to be bright and light and full of um, warmth and hope and beauty, but I didn't want it to be chicken soup for the soul, you know? I mean, I feel like the songs directly address the, the hardship and difficulty and violence that is just a normal part of life. Um, without giving into it. <laughs> a fragmentation's on, beginning one to gone. All expectations wrong, the world I knew is gone. Why is every little bitty thing falling apart? You mentioned it was just that, like, how everyone around you and you yourself, like, you guys are having kids and everything and like parenthood has been part of the reason that there's been like kind of big gaps between each of your albums um yeah and i was i was just curious like how like how has parenthood shaped the way that you approach art your art now well it's made art seem really unimportant um and there's really no time in the day that it that naturally occurs for their you know to be art making <laughs> um, so you know it changes your priorities when there's little people that need you that's definitely you know it's first of all immediate and um, there's just a bunch of immediate just tasks that need to be performed you know you recognize that you're fulfilling a, an important role for other people and then that's a part of growing up is realizing oh these are just things I have to do because I need to fulfill these roles for these people to be healthy. And um, and then that's a lot different from being young and just living for yourself and just having fun and making records. <laughs> Besides, I don't think that each time I make a record, I don't think I ever assume I'm going to make another one. <laughs> because each one just sort of seems like such a blessing and such a fluke. And I, it's just hard to imagine... It's so hard to make a record, and it takes so many resources. And um, each time I finish one, I 
it's really, you know, it's amazing, but I'm, I don't think I ever assumed that there's going to be another one. Hmm. So <laughs> for me, it's not like, um, it's not like I'm a full-time, you know, artist with a career. Right. It's like I'm an artist that's, you know, completely immersed in living life. And, uh, but I am an artist. So, you know, eventually every once in a while, I'll I have a little body of work that'll come together. And I have this wonderful, just loyal record label that's interested in um, producing me whenever I'm ready. So it, it's a really, really unique circumstance that I'm in that I'm, you know, obviously really grateful for, but definitely, I definitely don't fit in, you know, <laughs> in terms of everyone else that I see around me that's making music and putting out records and going on tour. Um, I'm definitely a different kind of artist in that, in a unique situation than anyone else I know. Like, I'm always just curious to hear, especially artists, talk about how not only, like, their personal faith and relationship to, like, God, how that plays into their music, but also how their music plays into their faith. And I was curious about that with you. Well, lately, I've been thinking about my faith in terms of, um, like, a lens, a colored lens. So, um, whenever I'm asked this question, I just... I can't even consider my faith as impacting my art or vice versa. It's like there's no separation. Um, everything I do, you know, my whole life, including my art, is, is perceived through this lens of faith. And so if you give that lens a color, then it's going to change the color of everything else. And so, um, so it's, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change whatever reason or purpose you have for making art in the first place mm -hmm. it's going to change the color of the content of whatever is in that it's going to change the process of how anything ever gets made or even comes to completion i mean i can't even believe that i can't count the little miracles that occurred for this record to even get made it's it kind of blows my mind so definitely in spite of me <laughs> i definitely didn't do a ton to help it come together i did my best but uh Anyway, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm thinking of it as a, col a colored lens right now so that it affects all things. It's inspired by, informed by, uh, executed by, um, performed by, <laughs> and all in the color of, of the lens. That was Liz Janes. You can check out her music at lizjanes.com.
listening to Elbow. The song is The Birds, and it's playing right now on Relevant FM. If you got the new issue of Relevant, you know that we look at the 50 ideas that have changed everything since the magazine started back in 2003. Um, we, we've, we sectioned it into politics, social justice, faith, culture, and technology. Um, it's, it's stimulated quite a bit of conversation, um, and we've gotten a lot of feedback about the items that were chosen and what we said about those things. Um, recently, David Kinneman came through our offices. He is the uh, co-author of uh, a ver- the bestseller, Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. And he's the president of the Barna Group, which provides research and resources that facilitate spiritual formation in people's lives. So when uh, David came through our office uh, recently, we decided who better to sit down and talk to uh, about these 50 ideas. He's an expert in pretty much everything. Um, so we, we filmed uh, a, a very in-depth and interesting conversation with him. Uh, that conversation in its entirety is uh, available for your viewing at Relevant.tv. It's in three parts. What we're going to play here on the podcast is actually the third part. So this is Roxanne Weeman talking to Dave Kinneman about some of the big ideas in the 50 ideas that changed everything. The first one is kind of more on just sort of a, a new emphasis on, or a new sort of interest in spiritual disciplines, like a renewed interest in that. Um, and then this is modern worship, but this one, uh, number 15, I think you guys have had a recent survey on just sort of the the growing interest in the reformed movement. And now Barna's kind of come and said, no, there is a, a new interest in the reformed movement. So. Um, I'm wondering what you think. We took a, a ton of hit for that. Yeah. Um, which is so interesting to me because, uh, you know, data is what data is. It's um, it's tough because w- basically the way we measure that was whether pastors were identifying as right. performed and, um, you know, whether that label was more likely to be used today than 10 years ago. And it just was the same. And so I think our conclusion wasn't that there was nothing happening in the right. reform movement or that people weren't interested, it, just that it wasn't showing up through that indicator. Those churches weren't any larger. Uh, they weren't necessarily a greater proportion of Southern Baptist churches. Right. Um, and so, you know, based on that very limited lens on faith, right. um, we didn't see a lot of growth there. Now, there could be, you know, in terms of publishing and some other things, right. uh, you know, some real interest in that. Um, or among more or lay people or outside sure, pastoral yeah. circles. Well, the other thing to remember too is that sometimes there's um, a rebirth and a, re, a resurgence, you know, as that, that term gets used with this movement. Um, there is, um, there's new attention paid to it because there, there aren't necessarily fewer people who are, you know, fans of, of baseball today than there were, you know, a generation ago. So people are surprised when baseball fans come out of the woodwork to, mm-hmm. to go to the games uh, but it just feels like a you know it, it may feel like a, uh, a, a you know a, a sport from a, a different era and I think that's part of what's happening is when you see any attention something on, on some of these things um, one of the things we've noticed in our research that that I think is true of this is that um, just because you see it happening in a corner of culture doesn't mean it's a dominant right. new sure. expression, um, and I don't again mean this as a point of skepticism about the reform movement. I'm just saying, in general, just because you see 
uh, some successful books or projects in a particular area may just be true of that particular mm -hmm. group of people who are rediscovering it and it may not be bubbling outside of the typical boundaries and that's a question I think that any group ought to pay attention to. Right. One of the things that we talked about is a sort of, um, in the po political section, young Christians really starting to, to sway more towards the independent. They're not, they're not Democrats, they're not Republicans. Um, and I feel like that's something that we say, and I'm like, is it true? Do you, do you see that? Or is it, or are people really, they're still, most Christians are still Republican? <laughs> yeah, I'm nodding my head, yes, they are. Um, again, it depends a little bit on how you how how you define what a Christian or what a young Christian looks like sure. um, and denominationally the more you're within um, you know traditionally theologically conservative circles the more political conservatism rightly or wrongly I'm not making a good or you know, value judgment on this but the, the, the more theologically conservative the person age-wise makes much less difference uh, than um, their level of theological sort of ideology or their, the their theology. And so um, certainly you see with, um, you know, mainline and some Catholic uh, young people, you know, a, a more progressive view towards some of this stuff. And, and there are, I think, questions about even with, a, with among some of the most conservative Christians about the methods and means that sure. we would carry this out. But uh, there still tends to be a fair amount of, of um, conservatism, political conservatism, uh, conservatism as well. Right. Uh, but it just depends on where you look and, and how, how you look for it. I think the other one that is really fascinating to me is sort of the the number 25, gay marriage gets confusing when your best friend is gay. And just sort of a lot of conversation, I think, among young Christians about what is the church going to do with sort of this homosexuality issue and gay marriage and civil unions and all of that. And, um, you know, the, at least some of the research that we pointed to is saying it, that younger Christians are a little confused about what to do. Um, they have more gay friends. They support civil unions, but not necessarily marriage. So it's kind of a maybe just not sure what to do. I think it's the single most important like social issue that uh, that will define how the church sort of li lives in this yeah. tension of, of the future, where you know, it, it, for those of us with a theological con theologically conservative perspective, it's um, to reconcile our our trust in what Scripture says about sexuality to just what you, the way you guys framed it so beautifully, you know, gay marriage gets confusing when your best friend is gay. And um, the social implications for how, how do we think about our role as citizens in a government? Uh, how do we think about our role as citizens, even more importantly, as a kingdom mm -hmm. that's here and not yet? Um, and it's a very difficult issue, especially because there are many different perspectives on right. this that a lot of Christians are really rethinking whether the ethic of you know, sort of describing homosexuality as not consistent, as wrong, as not consistent with Christian discipleship is even correct. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So I think, and there's a, a large enough number of voices. Uh, I think you guys, you know, depicted it accurately. Like abortion is a much clearer point of view. And this, by the way, is where getting on the politics question. There is a lot of movement between younger and older Christians, so right. they may not be as likely to identify as as you know independent or Democrat. But but on many of these issues, they are just looking at a fuller range of right. questions, like how do we live effectively as Christians if we vote for Proposition Eight in California? What does that say about our willingness to you know love those people that we say we love? Do we does the government need to? define marriage in the same way. And, and I, mean, I have my own opinions on those sure. things, but those are questions I think that, that younger Christians are really wrestling with. Yeah, and it's certainly something that, you know, in yeah. your book, that, that non-Christians, like that's one of their big, you know, yeah. negative perceptions it's of the, the church. It's the single biggest negative perception yeah. of the church. And there's so many stories that you hear from young Christians in trying to have the right response to it. Right. And it's... Um, it's, it's really going to be a tough. really, really challenging it one really over the next 10 or 20 years. To hear the rest of this conversation, uh, head over to either the podcast episode page or relevant.tv and you can view it there. For more information about David's book, check out unchristian.com or barna.org. You're listening to the Boxer Rebellion. They're very pro briefs, mm-hmm. so they're they're <laughs> raging against the boxers. <laughs> um, the also sp- known as the El Machino, the machine that <laughs> pumps out boxers. Careful, careful! <laughs> you made it dirty. I'm just him. saying. It yeah, sounds, where are you going to go with that? That's below the belt, gentlemen. Mo or technically, literally. Yeah. Um, the song is "Both Sides Are Even." <laughs> careful. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you chuckle to something, you can make anything dirty by just like, oh, really? It's playing on Relevant FM right now. All right, it's time for your feedback. Last week, it was a very in-depth, thoughtful podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we want to bring to you the pressing issues of our day and hear from you on current issues, topics, events. So we will ask you how you would change and improve popular <laughs> musicals, mm. which, yes. of course, is... The most pressing issue of the. Okay. Uh, this is what people are talking about around the water cooler. It really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we have a water cooler right now. Yeah, and that's where we have our best discussion. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Um, There's a picture of Chad modeling on it. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, from his integrity modeling days. Mm. Hold on, that did sound like. <laughs> there, were, there, were other mod- there were other modeling days yeah. where there wasn't integrity. Guys, uh, I've right, done some right. things I'm not proud of. Not from his boxer brief days. <laughs> his boxer rebellion yeah. days. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so you went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies there. Uh, we'll read you a few of our favorites, and then we are going to call one of you to uh, discuss your idea. So there you go. Heather uh, Wibble? I, I'd Wibbly. say Wibble. Wibble? Heather Wibble? Um, she says that you should add a dog to cats. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. 
And that you should change the S to Z to make it Cats, the musical starring. You know what? I could probably Kevin buy that domain. Feline. No. And she said sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I like uh, in Lindsay. I her idea is that thinks the characters of Tupac, Suge Knight, and Biggie Small should be added to West Side Story, <laughs> which I think would add a fascinating element because. Uh, Anyone who has been in a dance-off knows that the dance-off in West Side Stories is not how it's done on the streets. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just not realistic. Well, if anybody who's seen Step Up to the Streets 3D knows mm. how the real street dance-offs go down. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like when, when there's usually like a, a violent dispute over over street activity, like gang tour te- territory or drug deal, it needs to be settled by dance. Uh, it's usually breakdancing involved, which isn't even part of West Side Story. So. And then it's always raining outside. Well, it's always raining outside, but well, the thing is, is they start out in, in an abandoned warehouse with the yeah. DJ and everything, but then they'll take it outside to the actual streets mm-hmm. when it will start raining. And, yeah. and, and and it escalates there. And what what's settled in a dance off is settled. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's that's I- indisputable. That's true. You know, the results are are indisputable. So maybe that's what ra- well, that's what rage is raging against is the machine. Oh goodness. Of, <laughs> maybe they're maybe they're tired of the dance off regime dictating how all disputes are going to be settled and they're raging against that and they want to settle disputes other ways. Mm-hmm. With like guns and things. <laughs> <laughs> Weapons. I, I, the dancers have I, held us down. We yeah, need to raise against really, the dancer machine. Yeah, I mean, really, it's uh, we're a civilized society that's settling things with, with dance and rhythm that we really should be guns and violence. Uh, my favorite moment is, is when the dance-off a dance-off ends as suddenly as it begins. It, it, a dance-off always ends where, you know, everyone's crowded around the last two dudes, and one guy does, like, the most amazing slow-mo bullet-time move ever and lands like with one head, one hand behind his head, like lying down, and everyone just goes, "Oh, and over. It's, over, it's done." Maybe we should all yeah. do a dance off. Yeah, no, because you'd win. <laughs> I was thinking like I our, hope you would. I was thinking like our Christmas uh, video we could do this year. We Playing could. that one kind of early, aren't we? Yeah. Well. We'd have to get everybody in dance classes right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those dance-offs takes, you know, sometimes over a year to, to choreograph. So yeah, we're a little, starting a little late. Ashley D says uh, that the way she'd improve, uh, change and improve popular musicals, all actors would be in roller skates. Les Mis, on roller skates. Phantom of the Opera, on roller skates. Mm-hmm. Madam Butterfly, on roller skates. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. Actually, the possibility is not really that endless. They're, they're all people being on roller skates. I mean... <laughs> I think that's the summation the, of the possibilities. It's more there. limiting than than, than <laughs> limitless. <laughs> more limiting. People just drift off stage when they're <laughs> supposed to. They're just. Uh. And, and if and if it's the case of West Side Story, the dance off is essentially just a roller derby at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, George Jordan also said that you should have a pack of wild mangy rabbit rap. Rabies, <laughs> rabbis, <laughs> mangy rabbis, otherwise known as rabies-invested dogs, on stage that will drag the cats off, and they will create their own musical called Dogs. Nice. Uh, Andrew Breedlove says that he uh, wants to add a mid-show performance by the Power Team uh, to any any <laughs> musical. It's um, brilliant. 
you know, he said uh, I, uh, many guys would actually look forward to going to see Mamma Mia if they knew the power team was going to show up and break some baseball bats and run through ice walls after a big musical number. Um, good idea and everything. I only read this because I wanted to say the word Andrew Breedlove. I, was I just looked at it. I was like, is his last name really Breedlove? <laughs> That's amazing. It is wow. amazing. It, you know, it's, what yeah. I love about it is it's a promise to anyone <laughs> who's in a relationship with him. It's, it, his name it's the opposite comes of with your last name. I know. I know. Mine's love less. And his comes with a promise that you want to embrace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be careful, though. You want to yeah. embrace it and it yeah. turns into breeding. Careful or love. <laughs> careful. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That is one of the best last names I've ever heard. I know. I hope it's a nickname. I hope it's not even like real. It's just his nickname. I want to go to a bar with that name. I want to hang out with the two of you. Love less and breed love. Oh, yeah. Opposite end to the bar. Yeah. Just see what what the world. Start a company together. See what the universe does. I want to see you two in a dance off. That's what I want to say. I think a black hole would open up right in the middle of the bar. Just swallow everyone up. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, there's a few of our favorites, but we are now going to call one of the respondents. Hello. Hey, John. Hey. Welcome to the Relevant Podcast. Um, Okay. So we are are talking through the feedback that people are suggesting um, how to improve uh, popular musicals. And we came across yours and we wanted to call you. Uh, Before we get to your idea, quick little uh, info about you. You're currently in England, right? I am, yes. And what what do you do there? Um, I am part of a missions organization from Texas. And, oh, so you uh, don't have an accent. We, <laughs> well, he has well, an I, accent, just I, not the right one. <laughs> well, I can do English too, right? So we plant churches here. Nice. I like good. it. That's, that's a good one. I, I'll be honest, John. I'm relieved because I was a little disappointed when I didn't hear it at first. <laughs> well, I actually live in Yorkshire, which is like the Arkansas or backwoods Kentucky of and how long have you been there uh two years and yeah, how long so i am um, a young professionals pastor and uh work with also asylum seekers and refugees here wow how long are you going to be over there uh that's yet to be decided and, until the lord tarries <laughs> forever yeah, for as long as the lord <laughs> who knows <laughs> cool so how do you stay connected to American popular culture while you're overseas? I'm talking to those people right now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I, a- fe- I feel bad for your perspective about your homeland, man. <laughs> a lot of reality TV. I was, of- yeah, I was about to say all the uh, action heroes that, uh, yeah, that, that we talk about on a regular basis. The, uh, what's the, what's the, the lawman that we... Uh, Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah, Steven Seagal. Yeah, right. he still thinks he's popular here. So Jesse, do you see how much Isn't you're warping yes. people's view of American culture? <laughs> in, a, in a positive way. I think, it, I think right now... England just is us and Jersey Shore. That's all they know. <laughs> Jersey Shore actually premiered here in the last couple of weeks. Oh, we wow. apologize wow. on behalf of all Americans. Yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, we've been talking, we've been reading some of the other feedback, uh, some good suggestions, uh, but we really liked yours, and we wanted you to tell the podcast listeners what your idea is for improving popular musicals. Okay. Well, I was thinking about uh, Les Miserables, the world popular musical and i was just thinking in these tough economic times it's way too french for one thing it's way too yeah it's way too depressing you know it's just uh that's about poor people urchins that's that kind of thing so let's change the name from les, les miserables to just the happy so we've got the english in there instead oh, of good. nice 
And um, instead of it being all about street urchins, we stick in some like beloved um, 80s sitcom stars to just kind of lighten the mood a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. there'd still be the chase scenes because that's cool and the war scenes, but that's cool. But we need to like cast like Joey Lawrence in there. Because <laughs> he, he needs a job. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He does I was need a job. That, like, and, and added bonus like a lot of the characters die. So just think what, you know, you could put Bob <laughs> King Larry in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's rumored that one of those celebrities dies pretty much every week on Twitter, so. <laughs> right. And I'm hoping that we can figure out a way to work Alf. I just think that would be now, now let, let me ask you this: all the all the the the, the street urchins and and the the people in the in the current play are not going to be in it. What do you think about chimney sweeps? Because that's possibly the happiest profession on earth. <laughs> if we've learned anything from England through Mary yeah. Poppins, yeah. right? <laughs> if your country has taught us anything, it's that one: chimney sweeps are very happy. Two, they do very good backflips. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesse, I'll back you up. I'm pro chimney sweep. Okay, good. Good to know. Well, I'm, I'm a little confused because by changing it to the happy and making it very different than what it is, you still said that everybody dies at the end. So you're just recasting it. You're not actually... Maybe it's, maybe it's rapture. Maybe like... Ooh. Maybe like pull in the... What are those? Left behind books. Well, well, to- and, well, if it's 80 stars, Kirk Cameron would fit right in there. Perfect. <laughs> because totally. he's done that. He, if anyone knows the rapture, it's Kirk Cameron. And we can move it from Paris, France to Paris, Texas. Just to get... Oh. I like that. I like that You might too. want to start writing this. Yeah. We, might, we might need play. to see a few drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's I, I want to hear a number from it as well. Uh, does it pay? <laughs> it pays, pays, pays what missionaries make <laughs> oh great <laughs> to raise your own support yeah. alright well uh, we love the idea uh, we hope we can get greenlit. we have some influence in the uh, Paris Texas theater scene so right. maybe we can get a local <laughs> troupe to put it on um, awesome. uh, thanks for listening and thanks for talking to us and uh, best of luck there in England planting churches thanks appreciate it All right. yeah. talk to you later bye yeah. Okay, now it's time for this week's Question of the Week. Editorial Question of the Week. Okay, normally we try to tie it in with the podcast, you know, the Question of the Week. Uh, This week... We didn't uh, feel like it. We didn't feel like it. Because there's other things going on in the world than just this podcast. Well, a few. A few things. Uh, Apparently there's some sort of economic crisis. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. There's monk kids. There's There's a... Well, that has to do with the podcast. And crisis. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, it's the middle of March. We were, as we were debating what the question of the week should be, we talked about maybe March Madness related something. Mm-hmm. And we realized awesome. most of you don't want that. Uh, we thought maybe St. Patrick's Day related. <laughs> Ridiculous. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day related something. Then we thought, Man, we can't, what are we going to talk about? Different brews? Yeah, probably not. So, but then we thought, hey, we're, we, we are in the middle of Lent. Lent just started a few days ago. And so last year we talked about Lent uh, and, and, and asked you guys what you're giving up. And we thought we wanted to revisit that conversation. So this week's question of the week is simply, what are you doing to observe Lent, uh, if anything? And if you're not observing Lent, I'm curious to know why not. And I would love to know for those that are observing Lent and giving something up, um, why they chose what they chose. Right. Because sometimes we choose the thing that's going to be easy to to give up for Lent. And then sometimes there's a few people that, that intentionally challenge themselves with something way more difficult. But the why but is way, that the, way more important. But yeah. But isn't that the point is that it needs to be sacrificial, that it's to remind you of Jesus' suffering? I think so. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've joked before about, you know, giving up something that you you've already given up, you know, there's some people that, that, uh, I will not murder for Lent. Yeah. <laughs> that, that will give up something yeah. that means you can't eat any meat. 
that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Yeah, right. there's right. that. So, um, or I, I or I will not travel to Latin America for Lent. Yes. Yeah. Just for Lent. things that you wouldn't have done anyway. Right. Yeah. No, that doesn't count. Right. So, like, what's the sacrificial thing that you're doing, and yeah. what's the heart motive? You behind will be it? traveling to Latin America during Lent. Oh yeah, well, I guess I can't give that up for Lent. <laughs> I can't give up Latin American travel. Oops. Yeah. Already broke it. Yeah, yeah. We want to know what what's the sacrificial thing that you're doing, and 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 you know, this is obviously a very significant um, spiritual time, and so you know, you know, we're curious about kind of the heart reason behind it. I didn't grow up ever really observing Lent. Did but you, you guys? You, no. I didn't know about it. I don't I, think no, I really knew about it. I thought it was a bunch of weirdos walking around with ash on their foreheads. I didn't. I didn't know if they were Christians. Really? Yeah, and then and then we had. I mean, we still at the church. I mean, I grew up Lutheran, and there's a you observe Ash, Ash Sen- Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, right? Going yeah. to church, but and they do the ash on the foreheads, right? But not like the forty. Lent. Yeah, the forty days. The of forty Lent. days. I'm not sure. See, I'm, that surprises me. I would have thought that. No, it surprises all me too. Liturgical churches observe Lent. I thought it was a Catholic thing. I, I grew up in a Baptist too. church and a non-denominational church in a pastor's home. Never knew about Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. It wasn't even acknowledged, really. How about you, Chad? Yeah, I'm the same as Josh. Grew up in a Baptist church, and it was never even talked about. Hmm. I think it's interesting that this our generation kind of is embracing certain practices like that that we didn't grow up with, but right. are you know kind of formative, important spiritual statements. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, we thought, yeah, we just wanted to hear from you what you're doing for Lent. So go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and tell us there. Unless they've given up social media and the internet, <laughs> which is a big one. Which is a big one for That's people true. this year. For some reason, I've heard more people talk about giving up technology and social media things for Lent this year than ever before. I love when they announce that via social media. It's like <laughs> right. the last hurrah. It is. It's it's Fat Tuesday. Yeah. You know, Fat yeah. Tuesday is when you go crazy before Ash Wednesday. And, and limp again. So you just say, you just take like twenty five Facebook quizzes that day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, frankly, I I actually hadn't really put much thought into Lent this year, and and didn't feel last year. I felt like I was supposed to do something that was very very difficult for me, and um, and and the physical challenge and spiritual challenge of I, I had a massive caffeine addiction, and so mm-hmm. going to water only, and I hate water. Um, was actually a very big struggle for me. Um, I didn't, I'm not saying that I'm like at a different place this year, but I didn't feel like coming into the Lent season, like a, the same kind of pressing yeah, nothing's really burden that me. I felt last year. So yeah. I've, I'm, I mean, I don't want to be flippant about it, but I'm not observing anything specifically for Lent. I will be observing others. I'm just not observing anything for myself. <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching other people do things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I will so be I, observing Yeah, we're observing Lent. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I do that every year. Yeah. yeah. I'm very observant. Yeah. But it was, I mean, coming out of the other side of it, it was like you go on, when you fast significantly, You, if you've ever done a long fast, um, it's really hard at the beginning. And then it kind of gets easy. And then there's that wall again where it's not a physical wall and there's this spiritual, emotional component. And that's really the place, and I feel the purpose of fasting is to get you in that place of dependence on God yeah. and not on earthly things. And I, I kind of I had that. Lent is, so, Lent is so long. I mean, it's 40 days that it's like you really do hit several different walls um, throughout it if you do something significant and sacrificial. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if Lent is easy, you're not doing it right. I'd like to hear if other people... Um, grew up observing it or not and what, what they think they're, why they think that is. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, go uh, hit us up at the podcast episode page and let us know what you think. Um, if you want us to, if you want to be a candidate for us to call you, uh, you can either just let us know right there in your reply, um, or you can email us at podcast at relevantmagazine.com and we will uh, we'll contact you uh, if we like your feedback. Don't call us; we'll call you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Many thanks to David Kinnaman for talking to us. Uh, you can find out more about his book at unchristian.com. That's actually about the book. It's not just an atheist website Um, or Barna.org. Also, if you want to check out Liz Jane's uh, music, it's at LizJanes.com or in the new issue of Relevant Magazine. You can experience it there because of QR codes. (laughs) So it's very exciting. Thanks to John for talking to us. The Uh, Texan in England. Yes. Um, On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Josh the One Loveless. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. If anyone knows the rapture, it's Kirk Cameron.